Good evening, everybody. So the Bible does teach, look, what's wrong with the world is bigger and deeper than just we need better government. Do we need better government? It's deeper. What's wrong in the world is deeper than just human sin. Though there's a lot of human sin and Jesus died for sin. What's wrong with the world also has to deal with supernatural evil. There's evil that's deeper and more powerful than just human evil. And the passage that we read here, there's an encounter with the darkness of supernatural evil. It's demons. Uh, there was a guy in Hitler's Germany who saw countless of his countrymen die, uh, Jews murdered all over the world. There's a guy in Hitler's Germany named Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and he said this. He said, one of the devil's greatest tricks is to hide the fact that he exists. One of his deepest tricks is to, for, for him to make people think that he's not real. The devil is real. And we're going to see in this passage, what does the devil's darkness do? What's the devil's darkness do? Where does that lead us? What's that do in your life? Where are the places where that takes you? What's the direction Jesus wants to take you? Where does Jesus take us? Where does the devil and his darkness take us? Okay? So four effects of the devil and his darkness, and Jesus does the opposite thing. What's the first thing the devil does? The devil's darkness always enslaves. The devil enslaves. He makes you a slave. He makes you an addict. Think about this passage again. Here's this guy. Uh, Jesus had been, uh, it's actually early morning, okay? So they crossed the sea at night. They had had a stressful night. There had been a storm. The disciples had a rough night. They were freaked out, and they actually had to wake Jesus up because they were so freaked out. Jesus miraculously calms the storm, and as soon as they get to the other side of where they're going, this crazy guy who's not clothed, who's yelling at the top of his young lungs, runs at them, screaming, and falls down in front of Jesus. Like, they, the disciples don't have any relief. First thing they get there, this crazy guy who, who's been living in the tombs runs at them, screaming at the top of their lungs. And he's a slave. What do we learn about this guy? No one could subdue him. He wasn't in control of himself, of himself. He had left his family, all his people. No one could control him, not even with a chain. He had often been bound with shackles and chains, and he just cries out. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. Uh, he's not in control. He's not in control. He's a slave. He's ruled by these spirits. And when Jesus asks him, you know, Jesus asks about who, the demons answer legion. And that was, that was a military term uh, for like a huge number of Roman soldiers. There's a bunch of demons in the guy. And his life's a mess. Now, how does sin work? Often we think, hey, I need relief. I'm going to do this for relief. Might be with alcohol might be like, you know what, I need relief. I'm just going to get this out. might be some anger that you want to get out. But we're actually not just getting something out. 
we're letting something in. When you sin, you don't just get something out, you let something in. And the truth is, the more we sin, the more power that sin has on us. If you give yourself to pornography, it begins to change how you view people. You're not as in control of yourself. The devil's darkness always wants to enslave. And you know what? Jesus wants to heal. Jesus is going to free the guy. Jesus can free you. He can, he's freed me. He is freeing me. Jesus frees. The darkness enslaves. Jesus frees. Now, here's, there's actually some kind of funny things about this passage. Here's a, a funny thing about it. You guys have been going through Mark. People aren't real clear who Jesus is. The disciples, when, they, when Jesus calmed the storm, they say, what kind of man is this? People don't know what to make of Jesus. The demons know exactly who Jesus is. Listen to what they say. Yes. What do you have to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? It's the clearest picture of Jesus' identity yet in Mark. And so they know who Jesus is. The crazy thing is, they beg for mercy, though they're tormenting the guy. They're like, Jesus, please don't be too rough on us. They've been tormenting this guy, night and day. I beg you before God, don't torment me. Well, gee, they had been tormenting this guy. And they're like, please, um, please be fair to us. And they're really, what does sin do? It makes us less human. This guy's been living like an animal. You lose yourself. You ever have that sense, I'm losing myself to something dark? In Jesus, we get who we were meant to be. We become ourselves, our real selves. Jesus said, Jesus didn't say, hey, anyone who sins feels a little guilty about sin, although that's true. Other passages say that. He says, anyone who sins is a slave to sin. Sin leaves us in slavery. Jesus brings freedom by dying for our sins. And you know how Jesus announces his mission? He goes to his hometown, and they hand him the book of Isaiah, and he announces his mission as one who had freed. Hundreds of years before, God had promised that he was going to send a servant, and this is how it goes. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to, to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Jesus came to free people. Jesus came to free people. Okay? And learning to be in his will, learning to say no to the part of yourself that's crazy. Learning to say no to the part of yourself that's attached to the darkness. And yet we, we can't do it ourselves. We need Jesus' power. The devil in his darkness, they always enslave. They always want to increase that. Jesus wants to bring freedom. When um, this church is being instructed and in the book of Ephesians, and Paul says, don't give the devil a foothold. Don't give the devil a foothold. Um, you know, don't let the sun go down in your anger. Don't give the devil a foothold. And it's used in marriage sometimes 
pastors will say, look, you know, forgive each other before the next day. Don't let that fester. Don't let that pick up momentum. And that's true. But there's probably something deeper going on. When we leave sin unchecked, it has a bigger grip on us. We know that's how it works. You can't just hate, you can't say, hey, I'm just going to hate this person for five minutes, and that'll get it out of my system, then I won't hate them. I'll get over it after that. No, you hate them, you exercise that hate, and that hate's got a grip on you. You've given the devil a foothold. Well, Jesus wants us to be in God's kingdom where there's freedom. Jesus frees. What's else, what else does the devil's darkness do? The devil's darkness, he always scars, he disfigures, and he destroys. He destroys. I think this is probably why Jesus let the demons go into all the pigs. No one could say, hey, that guy was just sick. No, that guy was just weird. No, we saw the power of the evil in him. Jesus lets them go into a herd of animals, and that herd of animals runs down and kills themselves. Who is made in the image of God? Every human being. We're made in God's image. Uh, and the devil hates God so much that he wants to destroy those who are made in God's image. To mess them up, to trip them up. That's what he wants to do. He was already doing it when this guy was alive. This guy was a cutter. He was disfiguring himself. He'd be alone in the mountains, wailing, cutting himself night and day, always crying out, cutting himself with, with stones. He's hurting himself. Um, you know, there's been a progression. In the history of Batman movies, uh, late 80s, Jack Nicholson Joker. Anybody remember Jack Nicholson Joker, late 80s? We got some fans in here. That was a fun Joker. He was fun. He was silly, right? Jack Nicholson. Then Heath Ledger, Joker, Dark Knight, was a lot more serious. The guy had scars on his face, and he'd always explain them differently. He was a scarred Joker. He'd been disfigured. This latest Joker movie, which I actually, I, it's very dark. It may be irresponsible, because someone who is struggling mentally, might go in a dark direction with it. It's so dark. He's violent. It's not funny at all. It's not fun. It's almost horrifying to watch. Uh, what's happening, though, is that the scars that evil produce, produces is being portrayed. And actually, people who are really hurt, unless that pain's transformed, they hurt others. I, I, uh, there's been some talk in the news this week of a couple football players that got in trouble and ejected out of games for lashing out in anger. Just in the minute, they just snapped and they lashed out in anger. Uh, I think it's the right thing for the NFL to do. I couldn't help but wonder how those guys had been pummeled in their life before that point that made them just snap on a nationally televised game. 
Pain that's not healed will be passed on. Pain that's not transformed is going to be transmitted to somebody else. You know, it's going to go to somebody else. And so, hey, be freaked out unless you let Jesus heal your pain and touch your scars and touch the areas of your life that where things have been destroyed and hurt, that you won't just be able to ignore that and cover that up. It's going to come out of your life in other ways. We need to seek healing from Jesus. We need to have sometimes wise people walk with us in the ways we've been hurt and share those things and receive prayer and not be alone in it. You know, being alone in it is the worst. Sometimes just telling another wise person the thing that happened to you and you'll see in their face tears that reflect the heart of God for you and it's another sign you're not alone in it. Pain tends to make us be alone. Jesus wants to bring us into community with God and community with other people. He wants us to draw us to other people. Look at what he does to this guy, okay? Third thing evil does, evil, the devil's darkness always numbs. This guy didn't feel anymore. He could just cut himself and hurt himself. He didn't feel it at all. Um, Ephesians 4 describes life apart from God, being darkened in understanding with hardening of heart, having lost all sensitivity he says to the church, you must no longer live as the nations do in the futility and their empty thinking. They're darkened in their understanding. Their hearts are hard. They've lost sensitivity. Uh, what's Jesus do? He brings feeling back. At the end of the story is a guy sitting there and he's in his right mind. He's clothed. He feels again. Uh, even we see this in pop culture. Um, Zombie movies will not stop being popular. What's scary about zombies? They move, but there's no life in them at all. There's no feeling in them. They don't feel. The person's not there. And to be completely given over to sin, you become less of who you're meant to be. You become more zombie-like. Let me ask you this. Do you ever cry? You don't have to answer aloud. Do you ever cry? Probably. Some of us who never cry, it's not because there's nothing in the world worth crying about. It's not because people's hearts aren't being broken or lives aren't being lost or things that shouldn't be happening are happening. It's because you're becoming numb. You're becoming zombie-like. And you know what Jesus does? What allows us to put down our guard? We're deeply forgiven, forever loved, even now in our mess. And that love lets us begin to feel again. It become, becomes safe to feel. Um, my family was not the best alcoholic dad. And there were things that were, there are areas of my heart and my mind that I had walled off. And part of healing 
was being sad about those things and grieving those things, letting God soften what had become hardened. Uh, living in a city, living around a city with a bunch of needs and with neighbors with needs and having needs in your own life, being a Christian, it'll either lead you to be a harder and harder person, where it's easy to just, it's easy to just walk past, or God in his grace will soften you and soften you. And don't you want to be the older person who's like kinder at the end of their life? Because they've walked with God and they've learned to love and even have hope in hard things. Don't you want to be that person? That's possible through Jesus. You know what? This is the last thing. This is what Jesus does. Evil alienates, okay? Evil, the devil's darkness, draws us away from God and away from people. The beginning of the story, this guy has nobody. He's by himself living amongst the dead in the tombs. He's away from his community and his family. He's apart from God, apart from hope, and apart from people. At the end of the story, Jesus heals the guy, and two things happen. Okay, there's two different directions. He begs to be with Jesus. He's like, Jesus, I want to be with you. The people beg Jesus to leave. Maybe they were just freaked out about Jesus' power. He just, you know, is Jesus just going to go around, destroy huge herds of animals? We don't know what they're thinking, but they're freaked out by him. They beg Jesus to leave. This guy begs to say, stay near Jesus. And this guy who was delivered by God, okay, the opposite of alienated, alienated is apart from God. The opposite of alienated is reconciled. Reconciled, it's the word when two people used to be enemies, which is us and God. We used to be enemies with God and not love God, thank God, seek God, want God, listen to God, obey God, who tells us stuff for our own good. That makes, sin makes us apart from God, and yet God and Jesus reconciled us to himself. Jesus died for our sins on the cross. So 2 Corinthians 5 says, God makes his appeal even through us. We implore you, because of Jesus, be reconciled to God. Jesus died for the sins of the world so we could be close to God and be in relationship with God. And uh, sometimes Jesus tells people, hey, um, follow me. Later in Mark, he goes up to a guy who is a tax collector. Everyone hated tax collectors. And he says, follow me. And the guy follows him. This guy who wants to be with Jesus and follow, follow him and just be with him. It's very interesting what he says. You know what he says? He says, go back to your people. And he sends him back to his people and his family. And he says, tell what God did. The man, as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged him earnestly that he might remain with him. But Jesus did not let him go, but said, Go home to your own people and report to them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So he went out began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. 
and they were all amazed. Now, here's the super fun thing. The Decapolis literally means the ten cities. He goes out, and he sent home to his people. They thought he was gone. I mean, they had written him off. And he's sent back to his people. One of those cities, one of the ten cities, and in the general area, the church spread, Christianity spread. The good news of Jesus just took over that area. And in the first century, churches sprang up all over the place. This guy was the first missionary there. And there's a letter to one of those churches in the last book of the Bible. The letter to one of those churches is the letter to the church of Philadelphia. That's the region where the guy went, the ancient city of Philadelphia and that whole region. You know, it's like Gloucester City, Philly, and all these little towns and different pockets. The guy went all over the place and said, this is what the Lord has done for me. And after Jesus had died on the cross and rose from the dead, the good news of Jesus spread all over the place. Look, um, Jesus sent him. He had works for him to do. He sent him. What's the Lord want to do? Here's the power of Jesus. He frees us from our sin. There's a new power in our life. His, a, there's a presence in our life. He's with us. We're not alone. And he draws us into a family. What's your mission? You want to be disciples and also be a family, right? Create a family. That's what Jesus does. Jesus brings people who would only be alone and living for themselves, forgives them and gives them a mission, sends them on a mission to be a new family. That's what Jesus does. He puts us on a mission of reconciliation. And we even help other people be reconciled. You know, some of you today, look, here's where you are without Jesus. You're out of the box setting as a broken, sinful human being is apart from God. I check those boxes. Do you love God? Listen to God. Obey God. Are you with God? Do you want to follow God? The answer is no. You're in sin and you're apart from God. And you need Jesus. You need to receive Him, listen to Him, let Him free you. You need to receive Him and be obedient to Him. And He wants good things for you. To be a Christian, look, we're brought into a family. Every Christian is an adopted kid. In Roman society, um, they could adopt kids and they'd have all the legal rights. The kids, everything I have, you will one day have. I give it all to you. And that's why God in his word says the people of Jesus are his beloved adopted kids who get everything he has not just in this world, but the next, forever. Friends, we're reconciled. So I, I end with, where do you want to go? Does Jesus' power freak you out? The religion that's changed the world? Do you want none of that? Do you want to stay in your darkness? Do you want to be like the people who are like, Jesus, we want you to get out of here, please. Or do you want to be like the guy who knew he had darkness and was trapped, and yet runs to Jesus. Be reconciled to Jesus. I urge you to be reconciled to Jesus, to God through Jesus. 
It's the way, the truth, and the life. We're going to pray for people, as Joe said today. Pray for people to be healed and delivered. And the dark stuff we've done that's messed with us, the stuff in our life that you might not even know how to begin to talk about, you can be prayed for today because God knows. And when you're being prayed for today, God knows what you're really being prayed for. Even if Pastor Joe doesn't, or some other pastor, God knows what you're being prayed for. He wants to touch you and heal you. That's why he came. Friends, believe the good news. Jesus came to free us and heal us. In the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.